I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, November the 1st. Halloween has come and it has gone, and the Cavaliers are still one win shy of bowl eligibility. We will talk about the uh, the loss to Pittsburgh on Saturday, um, which was not all for, for not and, and for me being there. Um, I th- quite enjoyed being uh, at Heinz Field, uh, mainly probably because I was dry. Uh, and we'll also talk about Virginia's upcoming matchup with uh, Georgia Tech. Um, obviously, a four-game stretch in November that clearly everyone was kind of hoping the Cavaliers wouldn't have to, uh, to bear fruit from uh, in order to, to make it to the postseason, but that's clearly – uh, in the past at this point. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody up in Fishersville. David Spence is on the show. How you doing, my friend? Ever optimistic, Brad. Thanks for asking. Who Dave's on the board at who Dave's on Twitter. And, uh, staff writer, Justin Ferber up in Arlington is also on the show. How are you, my friend? Not too bad. Thanks for asking. Uh, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And Cavs Corner also on Twitter, Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for end game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, so let's uh, look. It's been several days now, so give me some reactions to last Saturday's loss. The three of us have talked a lot about uh, some big picture stuff um, in in the wake of that. We've talked about offensive identity. We've talked about um, some of the the issues that we have seen from a whether it's a mindset standpoint, um, I don't think any of us really thought th- watching that game that it looked like BC was lingering. Um, clearly, Bronco disagreed with that, um, which, I mean, hey, he knows his team better than we do. But it certainly didn't look like that to me. But what were uh, what are some of your lingering thoughts, Dave, as you look back on, uh, on, that, uh, um, on that loss? It was it was a long day, <laughs> and it, it, the the BC game was kind of a you know a punch in the gut. Um, you know, I, I think we all kind of hoped we'd see some correction to those issues, and it was a one time thing. And you know, if BC was a punch in the guts, Pittsburgh was a slap in the face. I mean, it, it was it was just painful to watch. Um, you know, I hate to be like you know, it, it's one game in a season that. Virginia sits five and three, but it felt like so much more than just a loss on the road. You know, their first loss on the road, they were undefeated on the road up to that point. Um, but yeah, it's just, I think it's how it, how it played out, you know, just offensive inefficiency and, and mistakes and kind of, you know, questionable play calling, poor execution, just a, a lot to snowball you when you're a Virginia fan and have years of, pessimism built into you um and by the time that I mean, midway through the third quarter you're, you're making you know you're, you're irate about what's going on which which makes for a long rest of the game what about you Ferber what are some of your uh, your lingering thoughts yeah I mean the offense is just so clunky throughout this entire game like I mean it's one thing to lose a game it's another thing to just be you know, like tough to watch. And I thought for long stretches in this game, they were tough to watch. And, you know, you start to lose confidence in their ability to do the small, small things like pick up a yard uh, when you need to pick up a yard or pick up a first down when you need to do that. Um, you know, they just make things look impossible sometimes with, with the way that, you know, they're executing and, and the plays that are called. And, 
you know, it, it seems like they feel like they have some limitations on offense that they have to do X to do Y or, you know, something like that. It's it, They can't just uh, run their stuff. They feel like they have to they have to run certain things first to set it up. And, and I understand that, but it just limits everything that you can do. And I think that, I mean, like, I know what the defense is trying to be, and I just don't understand, like, what the offensive – game plan i mean i understand what the i understand there's a you know there's a plan you know that they're trying to play to their strengths but at the same time it just feels like there's not a lot of rhythm to what they're doing and it's just tough to watch sometimes and then you know like there's i mean if you follow me on twitter you saw me tweeting about it on saturday there's just like a total lack of urgency in that second half i mean you're down 14 starting the half and then you give up a touchdown and from there, it was like they were just settling for – they were like they, they you know, seeded the game to Pittsburgh. And, I mean, I know it's tough to come back from a deficit like that, but, I mean, when your mantras are, you know, how hard – how you're going to outwork teams and you're going to push through against teams to the end, um, you have to play a style of football that, that, you know, kind of emphasizes those things and not this finesse sort of offense that they're trying to run – with like a lack of urgency down the stretch. I thought that that was disappointing to see uh, on Saturday. I think the thing for me, uh, when you talk about the, the lack of urgency at the time, it didn't seem like that big a deal to me because quite frankly, I didn't think they were really in a position to sort of actually make a push to win the game. And I thought they were better off to try to run their offense and maybe get a little bit of sense of rhythm and some confidence back before, uh, moving forward. That being said, I I, I definitely I, I definitely felt like, in a lot of ways, that in hindsight, that the days of this like breathtaking passing offense or seem to have. I mean, it just seems like it's like a shell of itself in a lot of ways. And and I'm not really sure if in hindsight, their lack of urgency there kind of spoke to what I think of as sort of a lack of energy. Um, Micah made a really good point Monday. He said um, that earlier in the season, guys were celebrating literally any positive they could they could get, right? That if there was a good thing that happened, they were getting excited. It didn't matter how small. Um, they got to a place, though, where all of a sudden now wins were the only positives that mattered, and those small victories were no longer meaningful. And, it, and, they, and they sort of have to get back to that because – now they've gotten they have they've gotten tight they play tight they play um they don't have their edge the way they did earlier in the season and if there's anything that i am looking for saturday more than assignment football against the triple option more than inventive offense um which would be you know a nice change um i i'm most looking for just energy and 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 that sense of urgency i think Late in the game, they didn't have a sense of urgency because they weren't growing quickly. I thought throughout the game, they didn't have a sense of urgency because they just didn't seem really plugged into it. Maybe on that one drive that they scored on before the half, you can say that they did. Um, and to maybe, you know, bits and pieces here and there. But ultimately, that's the difference that I see in this team. Is they just don't look like the same bunch. Um, as they as they kind of move forward, I want to I wanna get – get into sort of the the collective mindset I think we all agree even before we do predictions later on that this is a game we're all going to probably predict Virginia to lose but that's not to say that they aren't going to be in the game because Georgia Tech's not a team that's that blows you away on paper I mean yeah that Taekwon Marshall's really good 
Um, their running back seems pretty good. Um, the offense seems to have had some nice moments this season. Um, but the defense doesn't sort of blow you away. It's not they're not creating a bunch of turnovers. They're not I mean, they have been really solid at times. They're good on third down. They're um one of the better, you know, top five ish rushing defenses and scoring defenses in the conference. Um, but nothing that kind of just like jumps off the paper at you and makes you think like, oh man, this is they're in for a world of hurt. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that last week's result sort of uh recalibrates your expectations. Um I'm going to ask one postseason question and then probably not talk about it for the rest of the show. But where where are we right now in terms of our collective sort of um, how realistic do we think a bowl game is at this point, Dave? How realistic is it to think the Cavaliers are going to go to the postseason? I mean, it's kind of hard to quantify. It's a lot less realistic than it was two weeks ago and a lot <laughs> less realistic than it was last Friday um, before the pick game. But I mean, it, it's certainly not out of the question. There's, you know, looking at the schedule from this point forward, the only game, and I hate to say it as a matter of public record, there's only one, I'll just say it this way, there's only one game on the schedule that I have a hard time seeing Virginia having any chance of winning. Um, but, I mean, there's also not a game on the schedule that can't possibly see a way they lose. Um, so I, I wouldn't bet a whole lot of money on them making it, but, you know, they're, there's there's going to be opportunity and and for a for a program that hasn't been to a bowl in a long time and you know, really hasn't had a chance to even play a single game with a chance to be a bowl eligible in a long time I'm not going to say it's not going to happen. What do you think, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, obviously we talked about it throughout the you know the build up to this stretch of games that they have now, but. You know, we, we said that we, we felt I mean, I think I don't want to speak for you, Brad, but I feel like collectively we felt like they had a pretty good chance to get it done. in at least one of those two games against, you know, maybe you slip up against B.C., but then you have the pit game to, to correct the course. And obviously going 0-2 in that stretch makes things a lot more difficult, um, but it's not impossible. And and what I said after the B.C. game is, or after the uh, sorry, after the Boise State game is true. I mean, they showed you that. They can do some things like if things go well, they they can go well. I mean, the, the team last year, I mean, in what game did they really show you? I guess if that Central Michigan game in 2016 was like the hallmark of the season about how good they could play. I mean, they gave up a 28 point lead in that game. So no, at no point last year did I feel like this was a team that could, um, you know, you know, upset somebody on the road late in the season or something like that. But this team, I mean, they've shown that they can go on the road and win a game. They've shown that they can score points if, if things go well and the blocking is good and the running game gets going and they hit these deep plays that they haven't been able to hit. Um, so I don't think it's out of the question that they get to a bowl game. I mean, you're playing a Georgia Tech team this year or this week that, um, you know, they're a pretty good team. Um, they're going to be favored in this game. But at the same time, um, a lot of their goals for the season probably went out the window with that loss last week. Um, their chances of winning the Coastal at this point are pretty minimal. So you don't know what kind of energy level you're going to get from them. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what kind of energy level I'm going to see from Louisville next weekend. Um, and that's not a compliment. And then Miami, I mean, I think Miami is a pretty solid team. But uh, they don't put up a ton of points usually. So, I mean, I don't think they're going to run away from UVA or anything like that. So, um, And then I'm not going to really get into that last game because it's just hard to predict a win at that point. 
at this point for that game. So um, I, I think it's doable, but I mean, if, if, if they don't get it done this week, I mean, it's, it's just one less opportunity. And if they don't get it done in the next two weeks, then I don't think it's going to happen. Well, the thing is, is that it is in some ways exponential, right? It, it builds on itself. With every every missed opportunity, it makes the situation feel more de- desperate, makes everything seem like you're more in dire straits. Uh, it, it feels like something you have to overcome, right? It feels like, and in a lot of ways, it is. Like, that's just the reality, right? Um I genuinely think that they're good enough to beat Georgia Tech. I think they're good enough to beat Louisville. I don't think they're good enough, at least right now, to beat um, either Virginia Tech or Miami. Um, that being said, their high watermark when everybody's healthy and 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 clearly it's it, it that's not going to be the case. I mean they're they're going to be without Jack English for at least this week, uh, if not longer. Uh, it doesn't sound like um, it doesn't sound like Juan Thornhill is good to go. It sounds like he's practicing, and and we'll we'll have to kind of wait and see uh, what his what he what, you know what he feels like that day. Um, but that's also a nagging injury. Like that thing's not going to go away. He's not going to you know he's not going to get past it, get back on the field, and all of a sudden everything's going to be fine. So I think as we as we look forward, um, it makes sense to think they got to get it done soon um, because every game it feels like there's more of a wait. And I'm actually kind of glad to hear Bronco kind of say to uh, today on the teleconference that they've sort of almost gone in the opposite direction before he sort of ignored it. Now it sounded like he just wanted to call it out. Not necessarily like he doesn't want the kids obviously focusing on postseason, but he does want them to be very aware of like, hey, you got out of whack because you started focusing on this thing and we all know it. Now let's get back to work, and I and I I think that's about the only way you can play it at this point. Um, but I'm also of the mindset that you're five and one. You you kind of maybe you got a little too big for your britches, and you started thinking along the lines of, hey, you know, we got to do this and we got to do that, and you stop. You, you it was some interference, and so you lost to BC pretty badly. Okay, get yourself straight for Pitt because you know you did this, and 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 you that that was a horrible game burn the tape and then you go out and you kind of do a lot of the same stuff at this point like it either it either works or it doesn't right that that whoever you are is who you are and so like this idea like oh the bc game no no this is just who they are like they're just a team at this point who's shuffling they're or you know they're they're trying to fight their way through this adversity and it's just not happening and that's kind of the conundrum of being a losing team trying to figure out how to win at some point you look around you go Oh snap! Like we won some games, and everything changes. You know, it's almost like you you suddenly become more aware uh, of what's happening to you. Um, yeah, but, I, mean, right, I think we're all a little. I think we're all a little guilty. Um, you see the final score of the pit game, and it's like you know, <laughs> pretty convincing. But I mean, let's be honest: the offense did move the ball. They they got inside the forty what eight t- total times. Um, but they went scoreless six times. If they, if they managed to score two or three times there, even maybe just one or two, it's a whole different ball game. So, it, I mean, there are significant changes, that, you know, improvements that we need to see on the offensive side of the ball and on special teams um, for Virginia to beat the quality opponents coming up in the back end of the schedule. But, I mean, 
this offense isn't ever going to be like, you know, a world-class offense with the, with the pieces we have right now, but simply making a couple of those (laughs) converting a couple of those drives, which they had fourth and short on many of them makes a huge difference. I I don't think saying the offense can get good enough to win these games is, is an impossible ask. It's, it's just executing in a situation that, as you say, as, as games go by and, and series go by and scores change, the pressure mounts, you know, the pressure to, to do this for Quinn and Andrew and, and Micah who came back, you know, Quinn, Micah and Quinn especially who came back just starts to build. So I'm glad Bronco called it out too. Um, but also I can, I can see an easy way for this team to be considerably better by not having to do a whole lot. Um, and I think that's easy to forget after two painful weeks. Yeah. And I mean, just one quick thing, like, Brad, you mentioned that, you know, they won a few games and then all of a sudden it became, you know, oh, okay, you know, we're doing what we need to do to win and and we understand how to win now. But if you really look at how they won those games and the scores and and how those games played out, I mean, Duke is in a free fall right now and they gave UVA a really tough time in Charlottesville. I mean, they got up early and then um, UVA battled back to their credit. And um, but Duke, I mean, had the ball in UVA territory in the last minute of the game. And, you know, they weren't able to score, but, you know, it it, it could have gone to overtime. I mean, one, one or two plays goes differently. And then the North Carolina game, I mean, that's the worst team in the league. Um, they haven't beaten anybody since ODU and they're one and eight or whatever. And I mean, they had they had their chance to beat UVA at the end of the game. And to their credit, they made the stops. But. I think if they thought that that was going to be good enough to continue to win in the ACC, um, those types of performances that were flawed, and we said so at the time, um, then I think that that's just a mistake. That's fair, and I, and I also think too, if if we're if we're being honest about it, if you look back at the Duke and Carolina games, we all focused on well, they made plays to win, and that's true, but. And I feel like we've talked about margin of error for like three years now on this podcast, but the margin for error. Bronco actually said this in a in a in a, a presser, and and it's spot on. Like when you're when you're that close to it, a couple plays here and there, they look dramatically different. If I'm gonna call the spade a spade, and I think we're like twenty some minutes in here, so hopefully people who are not actual fans uh, are gone, but. I'm not, and I'm not trying to, to be overly critical here, but just walk with me. When you, when you're, when you're a good team, let's say, let's start great. When you're a great team, you can have some lulls, but everything else, the the the, the boat rises, right? When you're a good team, you might have some 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 mistakes here or there, but ultimately, the good far outweighs the bad and doesn't really matter, right? You're good, but when you're mediocre and you're playing other mediocre teams, all of a sudden, those plays that you miss are huge deals to the other team who gets the benefit of them, right? So think about the Duke and Carolina games. Like, Duke gets a gift in the, way, in the, in the, in the shape of Donnie Dowling's um, 15-yard penalty, right? Then gets another gift in the, in the return, right? And they're able to make that thing a game. All they really needed was one more. They need a mediocre team to make one more mistake on defense, and they could have won that game. Look at what's happened to Duke since that game. Anybody, anybody out there thinking Duke's any good? Watch Carolina, right? That Carolina game is tight. 
They made they get Virginia made enough mistakes at the right times to keep the heels thinking they could win. Um, they make a mistake. Um, they, they have a perfect drive going, exactly what they need to do. They make a mistake. They fumble. Carolina recovers. They needed one more play. They needed one more mistake by a mediocre team to be on the wrong to be that Carolina did to be on the right side of that margin of error. Anybody watch Carolina lately? Like how good are they? You know, you watch the BC and 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 Pitt games. If if Virginia gets that safety, how different is that game? That's one play of a by a mediocre team that they didn't make, right? You watch the Pitt game. That punt return. If that punt return doesn't happen, right? If 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 Lester gets enough of it on the rugby style and, and and puts it where it's supposed to be and the coverage is there right that's one media that's one play by a mediocre team the reality is is that unless you are an upper echelon team playing really good teams and even the upper echelon teams watch Clemson get beat by Syracuse like there are going to be times when you just make mistakes and the ca- question is whether or not you're good enough to make enough plays to kind of over to kind of counteract those and right now Virginia's just mediocre I don't care what the record says. They might have been five and one, but they were mediocre, and they're mediocre now, even at five and three. And even if they win two of these next four, they're still mediocre. the The difference is, is they're making enough plays to be on the right side of that margin for error. With injuries being what they are, the offensive, um, the lack of offensive identity being what it is, this team is going to continue to struggle if it stays in this lane. They've got to, they got to get themselves out. And obviously, Saturday's a tough one because. You're going to come in. You're going to be playing a team that has a very clear identity. What does is, what is Georgia Tech want to do? Georgia Tech wants to run the football at you, hold the put football for a long time, and basically make it so that every possession you have is going to be incredibly difficult, uh, is going to be incredibly important, rather, because you're not going to get many of them. That's, that's, their, that's their bread and butter. That's what they want to do. Um, defensively, they're, they're not going to give up a lot of big plays. They're not going to make up a lot of big plays. They're going to essentially make you beat, beat them. And... I don't know right now if I can say Virginia's offense has enough to do that. How do we feel about this matchup, Ferber? What do you, when you you're starting your research for the uh, for the preview tomorrow? What what's your general overall kind of feel on this team? Are they mediocre? I wouldn't uh, Georgia Tech. I would not necessarily categorize them as mediocre. It's funny, um, you know, they're seven games into their slate, and it feels like I don't really know who they are. I mean, I know who they are, but they have an identity, but it's it's tough to say how good they are because their losses are to Tennessee in like triple overtime, and that was before Tennessee became the trash can metaphor that they actually are. Um, and then they lost, you know, a close game in a rainstorm to Miami, which could have gone the other way. I mean, it was a last second field goal that cost them that one. And then you lose on the road to Clemson, so it's kind of I mean you can't really fault them for that. And then their wins, I mean, they beat Pitt, they beat. Carolina, um, I think they have another ACC win in there that I'm forgetting. Um, Wake Forest. So, I mean, those are nice wins, and, and they took care of business, but um, they don't have, like, a really great win to their credit, I don't think, at this point, unless you consider Wake Forest a great win. Um, they, they're a decent team. Obviously, their quarterback kind of drives everything that they do to Quan Marshall. Um, he is easily their biggest playmaker they don't really throw the ball a ton, which, you know, big shocker there. That's pretty much how they do things. Um, but they do have a running back, Carvante Benson, that is kind of like Jordan Ellis, the way he's built and the way he plays. Um, he's their B-back, so basically like a fullback, but he gets a lot of the carries. And, you know, they'll throw a pass play in every once in a while. 
Uh, you guys mentioned it before. Um, they don't create a ton of turnovers or get a lot of sacks, but they also don't give up a lot of third or fourth down conversions. Um, they're pretty good in the red zone. So, I mean, UVA is going to have to go out and earn it. Um, and, you know, if, if they come out and, and play another game like they played the last two weeks, they're going to get beat up. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I, I feel like every year Georgia Tech's the same story. It's a good quarterback, a good beat back. Um, this year, I just think their defense is a little better than it has been in the last few years. I mean, to me, it's one of the better better Georgia Tech teams of the last couple years. Um, they just happen to catch Clemson, and and you know, you know, when when you play Clemson, it, you're going to you got a loss. Clemson just has athletes that can just demolish that triple option. Um, I mean, given given what we were just talking about with Virginia and the issues they're having now with you know consistency and kind of getting out of their own way and, and executing, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's a perfect team to make you focus on those issues because you don't have to go out and play, score 50 points to beat Georgia Tech. You know, um, They're not designed to come out and run tempo and beat you up. They're just there to take advantage of mistakes. So if you can just focus on the simplicity, um, you know they're they're a team that you can stop, and it's a team that the three four is pretty good at, at you know at least schematically being being able to stop. Um, but it, it's also a team that if you're not on your p's and q's with those with those little things, they will eat you alive. So it, it's going to be a good litmus test for for what the coaching staff, what the players have done in the this week following the following the pick game. Um, you know, anytime you have to play Georgia Tech without a out of bye week, it, it's tough. Um, especially you know in our program where even though we practice more this year, I, I am sure we probably spent I'm not sure, but I'm guessing we spent less time doing the uh, the fall camp prep for Georgia Tech than the other schools in the ACC who play them normally do just because of where we are as a program. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's any reason to come into the game with no hope because um, I, I don't think Virginia needs to do anything that they are not capable of doing or have shown at points in the year they're capable of doing. Um, it's just can they do it against a team that will take advantage of any time you make a simple mistake. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not picking Virginia to win. I'll, I'll go there. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, let's get to that then. Um, in the preseason, uh, Ferber, you had uh, Georgia Tech winning this by 10, 31 to twenty one. I have an asterisk next to that for some reason. Is that is that the one I didn't know what the score was? I don't remember. Anyway, we're going to assume that it was thirty one twenty one Georgia Tech. How you feeling about this one? Yeah, I, I do. It might have been because. Um, it might have been because I said that I thought that they could. This would might be a game that they could pull an upset if they were going to pull one. Um, I don't really. I mean, I still think they could win the game if Georgia Tech just plays average and UVA takes things to a level they haven't played at in recent weeks. But that's going to, have to start with the offense. I mean, if you look at how UVA's defense played against Georgia Tech last year and how Broncos' defenses have performed against Paul Johnson's offenses in the past, um, I'm not terribly worried about the defense. Last year, UVA outgained Georgia Tech uh, in the game, and they only gave up a few big drives, and they were all aided by huge plays for a touchdown. And they lost the turnover battle 3-0. 
I mean, so that was a huge factor in the game. So, I mean, I feel like there is a path for UVA to win. But, I mean, I feel like, I don't know. It, it's just, it's it's a tough one to predict them to win. I feel like it'd be a, a sugar that they could come out and say that, you know, they're going to win the game, even though I think that they possibly could. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and pick Georgia Tech to win. I'll go with the score I had in the preseason. 31-21. What about you, Dave? In the preseason, you had I Georgia Tech. in that game. You had, yeah, you had UVA winning at 38-34. Of course you did, Dave. Of course well, you did. P-A-D. Yeah, P-A-D, which looked pretty good two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> I mean, for me, look, I, I can convince – I agree with Justin. I mean, I think the defense is going to do enough jo- a good enough job that the offense, if they play well, you know, can win the game. Um but for me, you have two issues at Virginia. It's not just getting the offense on going. It's cleaning up the special teams' mistakes and being able to make a field goal in a game that's likely to be tight. Um, I have a hard time seeing – I mean, at this point, I think you can pretty much write off Virginia having any chance of scoring three points in a game this year. Um, you know, By the time they get close enough to kick, you might as well go for it now. Uh so, so for me, unless it's a forty-three yarder in the rain, uh, yeah. Which you don't even get me started on that one. I mean, I, I thought, <laughs> whatever, um, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> good lord, why, why are you doing that? Um, it's like the one time they tried all day too. Yeah, I mean, I'll pick Georgia Tech to win. I, I think it'll be close, but uh, you know, just too many things against Virginia. Um, I will go 24 to 16. Uh, sorry, 24 to 21. Looking at next week's score, 24-21 Virginia. In the uh, in the preseason, I had Virginia losing this by five. 28. I mean, sorry, Georgia Tech. Sorry, sorry. Are you done? Okay, I'm done. Um, I, I, in the preseason, I had Virginia losing this by five, 28-23. Um, here's my thing. I think Virginia can win this game. I can't pick Virginia to win this game. I will not be surprised at all if the Cavaliers win this game. I actually wouldn't be that shocked to see him win it by like 10 um, because I don't think we've seen that offense look good in weeks. Um, I mean, heck, the offense kind of hasn't come back from Boise, if we're being honest. Um, I can't pick Virginia to win the game. I think the Cavaliers can win the game. Um, but I do think that if I'm the, – the, when you pick things – you're looking for the most likely outcome, and I think the most likely outcome feels about what, what Vegas has it, right, which I, I'm not sure what the line, line is right this second, but I believe it was around 9, um, 7, 8, 9, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, I saw 10 this morning. So it I, that seems about right. I, I'm going to go Georgia Tech uh, 31-21 um, with the caveat, like I said, that I, I genuinely think Virginia can win this game. I genuinely think the offense uh, is the is the catalyst there. We we can focus on assignment football and stopping the triple option, but ultimately it comes down to the offense making the most of those drives. There were eight drives. I, let me rephrase. There were six drives inside the forty that Virginia got zero points on last week. That's the game. Like that is the equivalent of going three for twenty five at the free throw line. Like that's it. You can't you you can't come away empty handed that much. The Cavaliers have to. Have to be better offensively. Uh, let's get to our prop bets for this evening. Our first one is going to be um, 300 yards for ru- rushing for Georgia Tech. Dave, do you think they get to 300 or more? Yes or no? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. Ferber, yes or no? 
I'm going to say yes. Um, they don't throw the ball very much, so, I mean, I don't think 300 is that crazy of a number considering how they do things. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. 300 is really not that big a deal. It'll, it'll look bad, though. Uh, all right. UVA scores 21 points or more, Dave. Yes or no? I'm going to say yes. I picked them to score 21. There you go. Uh, what about you, Ferber? I'll say yes. Um, as we talked about before the, the recording, um, every game that they've lost this year, they scored 17 or fewer. So, I mean, 20 seems to be the magic number. All right. I'm going to say yes as well. Um, all right. Two, two passing touchdowns for Kurt Benkert. Yes or no, Ferber? I'm going to say no. Okay. Dave? Yeah, I'm going to say yes. All right. And I'm going to say no. Um, I think it'll. <laughs> I think it'll, I don't know why the that was. You said that you were like, you were like, no, it's not going to be. I, I just think. You got two last week, man. I think in a game like this, Virginia's going to have to run the ball. And I've said that for three weeks now, and they continue to astound me. All right. Turnover margin. Who wins it? Virginia or Georgia Tech? Ferber. The Virginia Cavaliers. Because Georgia Tech likes to fumble the ball even when they play well. <laughs> yeah, well, UVA likes to throw random interceptions you know, on the sideline. Yep, yep, that's true, too. Um, uh, <laughs> gotta admit, that, that has been a trend lately. I mean, sometimes they throw picks when they're not even trying to throw the ball. Yeah. So, What about you, Dave? I think it's going to be a push like 2-2, but uh, I'll give it the advantage to the home team if I have to pick a side. So yeah, you have to pick a side. That, that was the whole con- construct. Uh, I'm going to go with Georgia Tech just because uh, even if they fumble, I, I feel like the Cavaliers are going to – are going to do one better. All right. <laughs> Lastly, who wins the term ter- term? Who wins the time of possession battle here, Dave? Georgia Tech or UVA? I think Georgia Tech. Ferber, what about you? I'll go Georgia Tech. Okay. Would you guys like to know that last year Virginia won the time of possession in the game uh 38-37 to 21-23? 17 more minutes and scored 14 less points. Yeah, because Georgia Tech had like a 65 yard touchdown, a 65 yard, a three play drive, a three play drive, and then a pick six. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, And then their field goal was on a pick in its own, and like when UVA was in their own red zone. So, I mean, like all their points were either off turnovers or on big plays. And that was Matt Johns. Matt Johns played that game. So, yeah. Binker did not have any. He didn't play at all in that game, did he? No, I don't think so. No. I think uh, he sat that one out. Yeah. yeah, he's he he didn't register any stats because I'm looking at him. Matt Johns is the only passer for the team. Kurt's gonna play, Kurt's gonna play on Saturday. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I don't think Matt has any eligibility left. <laughs> um, I think that's a uh, a good place to put a pin in it for this week. Uh, we were we're gonna talk um, offline about what we want to do, whether we want to do a complete uh, hoops podcast for next week, whether we want to kind of do like a half football half hoops preview kind of thing um so we'll we'll get we'll get back to you on the, on that once i've had an opportunity to discuss that with my uh with my comrades here but anyway i want to appreciate i say i appreciate everybody out there for continuing to support the show thanks for giving us a listen as always thanks to dave and Ferber for giving genuine generously genuinely generously of their time and i really do appreciate it uh that you guys take time out of your busy lives and schedules and game sevens of world series uh to watch i mean excuse me to to record the show um so for david spence and justin ferber and brad franklin publisher of calvescorn.com thanks for coming out we'll see you soon